Well, Jacob, one of the things that I've been wondering about a little bit, like if you were to survey your students, what do you think regarding to reading would be the most difficult thing or the most challenging thing that COVID season and online learning has brought to them? What do you think their biggest challenge is when it comes to reading? Well, online kids, it's access to text because they can come up to like we've there's a few of like my students that I've had online that like some of them come up to do like sports in the morning for seventh Mm -hmm. grade. They do like volleyball and basketball and stuff. So I'll see them in the morning, actually. And some of them have like come in and gotten books out of my classroom. Uh, So that has been a part of it. But a lot of them just aren't they're just not reading at home. And, you know, Donalyn Miller, I think, you know, she has my one of my favorite quotes, which is basically like, if kids aren't reading in your classroom, they're not reading at home. And I think that is that is I think there's exceptions to that rule. But the majority of the time, I think it's really accurate. Like my students, like I I teach kids who are readers. They're what you would consider like almost all of them can tell you a favorite book that they've read. They've all finished a book, at least a book this year. Some they can tell you about how they've grown and stuff like that. But if you ask them if they read at night, the majority of them would say no. And so you exacerbate that problem when you say, nope, no school here. You're online here because it's just not something I just don't, I think it's so low on the list of so many families to make sure kids have access to books. And, you know, I don't even know if libraries are open. Are libraries open, like public libraries? You know, I don't know. I don't either know that. Yeah. So I would imagine there's, if they are, there's probably some type of like, maybe you order it and then pick it up at the the door or something like that. So there's those problems and then obviously books are expensive if you're going to go buy them even at half price books I mean they can still be pricey because they're not like the the old books at half price book are cheap but kids aren't going to buy you know (laughs) Charles Dickens they're going to buy like the the latest young adult book or whatever so uh, I I would say that's the, the biggest challenge in regards to reading is just that their reading lives are pretty light that's for writing too like I just got a kid back from online uh, that he was he was passing. He would make hundreds on every single reading test uh, without fail. But he didn't do anything, right? He didn't do any of this. I, was right. anything. I had one of those. And when he came back, I just sat with him and I go, I want you to be 100% honest. I go, were you reading at home? And he goes, he just kind of sat there. And I go, were you writing at home? Like doing the assignments, essentially. And he goes... Uh, you gonna be mad? I was like, no, just tell me. He goes, no, I didn't do any of that. And I was like, okay, so welcome to reading and writing. This is what we do. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's that's my answer. Is I think it's it's put a strain on that. Like kids, uh, we're there. We're letting kids in our library now, uh, but it's January twenty sixth. Um, mm-hmm. So for most of the year, kids weren't allowed to. At the beginning of the year, we had weird. COVID restrictions and some campuses still do to where it was like, well, you can't have, you know, you have to quarantine these books. So kids didn't have access to go to the library and just wander and pick out stuff. So we had like this weird checkout system that worked, but it was still, you know, every barrier to a text is a significant barrier in a kid's eyes. So, uh, 
that that it's just it was a, a lack of access to so much that I think really did and still is hurting them. All right. Well, with that, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to to Craft and Draft with Jacob Chastain and Pam Ochoa. This is where we uh, talk about what we deal with every week when it comes to teaching and writing workshop and all the other things that we teachers have to do, especially in today, as Jacob just mentioned, COVID challenges. Well, you know, you talk about the library. Ours as well just opened. And I think I noticed that my kids are reading less this year than they've ever read. And my kids love to read. I mean, in the past, my trend is the kids love to read. But I talked to them the other day. That's why it was on my mind is I'm like, why are you not reading? And that's pretty much what they said. They don't have the access or they haven't had the access to the books or their parents aren't going to go anywhere to buy them a book. And they're definitely not going to order. They have to order regular stuff from Amazon. They're not going to be ordering books. They've got other things they have to worry about. I don't have enough money to even think about that. So, yeah, they, uh, yeah, go go ahead. ahead. I was just saying, no, I think you're right. It quickly falls off because we had, uh, I had a student who went, she was in person and then she decided to go digital. And for a hot minute, she was, you know, still reading. And her mom was like, okay, well, she's reading this one. If she finishes it this week, can we bring it back and kind of exchange it with me? And I'm like, sure. And I did that. And she took, she did that like t- twice. And the last book she took, I haven't heard from her since or in regards to that. And it's just, it's so easy just to fall out of school. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's one of my biggest concerns is some of our students have fallen out of school. I mean, I'm worried that across the globe, we have we are losing a generation, you know, at least a few years. But I'm talking about this particular youth that that we're really falling behind educationally. And I, I'm really concerned about that. Well, and I am too. And I think the, you know, I don't know. This isn't the episode to get into the, the debate necessarily. But there's just, you know, having the conversation of what what is really the cost of schools being closed and stuff like that. And I don't think it's real. I don't think a lot of people are asking the right questions. I think a lot of it was politically charged because of divisive rhetoric that was just happening and still is. But I think a lot of it was like that. So it's like, if you say this, you're on this person's side. If you say that you're on this person's side. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was, I, I don't think it was ever a partisan issue. It was what's correct for kids, what's safe for people that, you know, what are, what are the alternatives that we can do for teachers that might be high risk, but you know, they, they still need to teach. And I, this, the, I always wondered why, like there's places that are closing, but there are the hybrid model seems like the most capable of getting as best you can of both worlds. Obviously there's problems with it, but let schools be open for people that can be there and for the kids that need it and then have the digital options for everyone that can manage that and then adjust as you go. Like, I don't see why it's this like either or scenario, but those there's places that are like that. And in those places you have, I mean, people are saying like, Oh, it's just, they're not really falling behind. It's test stuff, but they're falling behind in different ways. Like we're not just talking like being able to pass the state test. Like there's social things that happen and there's, 
there's just developmental things that you like when you're a sixth grader and you go to seventh grade and eighth grade, each year is really significant in your just development. I don't know how any educator in schools could possibly say otherwise. Like to say that nothing bad is happening from this for them, I think it's it's a hundred percent delusional, without a doubt. Well, we just did uh, our argument paper, and one of my students he started out online. I think because of some kind of health issue or something or whatever, but his family decided he really did need to go back to school and he wanted to come back to school. So, um, so anyway, he wrote his paper over how is COVID impact, you know, impacting, uh, learning, which one's better online or in school. And his position was we need to be in school. And then he gave his, uh, in his argument, he talked about his own, he put an anecdote in there uh, based on his own experience and how difficult it was for him to become distracted and just not get to something. But when he's in school, he's able to get to his work because he's kind of contained in that area of this is what we do during this time. And then he said he didn't realize how much he missed his friends until he got back to school. And uh, he's also, you know, he's on the on the team and all that kind of stuff for athletics and things, but it was just kind of interesting to hear his take on it. So, you know, we always talk about how we feel, but I mean, really how do these kids feel? And, uh, but I do think that, that keeping them reading and writing as much as we can is probably going to help them more than anything. That's just, what do you think about that? Well, and I, I mean, I, I, Agree with that. But I mean, every kid that, you know, we have kids that, you know, they get quarantined, not because they have COVID, but because, you know, they're exposed to someone or something like that. And sometimes it's a big chunk and sometimes it's small, but every single one of them are mad about it every single time. And Mm -hmm. they're because it disrupts their lives and they go home and they're bored and they fall behind and they're in person because they can't do online school uh, because they just don't learn that way or they weren't successful. So going home, they're not going to do online school because they were doing bad about it in the first place. So you have it's just this really hot mess of a situation. But on the reading and writing side, you know, I think I have seen my kids have written a lot of pieces and a lot of them, they're just writing like a lot of them. I feel a lot of them, like they're just like burnt out. Like they're, I think they're burnt out on like the the stress of the situation. I know they're seventh graders and they're having all kinds of mood problems, but it's also just like they're like kids that are just generally in a better mood or having harder times coping with stuff. And I'm starting to see that trend in their pieces to where they are opening up about that stuff a little more and. My challenge has been like, okay, so I, I, I like to lean towards that and give them that freedom to express themselves in those ways and stuff like that. But then I also, you know, my whole goal, uh, and I know this is your goal too, is just to to have the equal balance of that real freedom and, and roaming through ideas and topics that you choose, but then also, you know, do the more academic stuff to kind of have a, a well-balanced approach to mm-hmm. reading and writing. And sometimes that's hard for me because I'm so who cares about curriculum sometimes and I want to go that way. But (laughs) at the same time, like, you know, I'm teaching, like I'm teaching honors kids who are going to go on to be AP kids. And like, I have to set 
key foundational knowledge for them to to be successful in their AP classes so they can get those right. college credits early. Like there's a whole trajectory that these kids are on that I'm responsible, especially I've taught them twice. So now I'm like extra <laughs> responsible for it. So, but that's the balance that I'm trying to have uh, currently. I don't know. Have you seen a, a darker trend in writing this year or what, what do you see? Do you see themes of them? revealing some of the struggles that they've had? Yeah, I have actually. I mean, they've talked about uh, being at home. Uh, They're talking about losing their grandparents. Uh, Some of them have even talked about being scared. And then like this boy, they're even starting to research it. I've got about three or four that are researching uh, COVID and its impact on, on kids. And I didn't put that in there. The, The way the, the way, what I meant was I did not sponsor that activity. What I said was, you need to. Well, I had them list different things that they have strong opinions about, and things that they care about, and things that they want to learn more about. All they did was list that, and then I said, okay, pick one that you want that you think you can make a claim on, and and want to research and and support it. So that was kind of how the setup was. There was nothing in it about me telling them to to research COVID, but I can't. I have several, and it's not in one class either. It's it's throughout the day, uh, and some of these kids are honors, and some of them are on level, and um, so I am seeing them. They're quite concerned. I think I, I don't know if they know how to express it, um, you know. But I've had several. Uh, talk to me. I even had one today talk to me. He's kind of like your student that you were talking about. He, I had him online and on all of the tests, you know, the little, our beginning of the year test, you know, all of those types of things, any kind of test he ends up taking, if you can get him to, uh, he would score 90% or above on all of them. And I mean, his, uh, you know, I know that we don't, Lexile levels, you can give or take. There's research, but it does give you an indication how well they, you know, that they can read or, or that they can't. And he's up there in the 1200s, 1300s. So he's he can read, but he's failing because he won't do. And so today, uh, so they, they have told him he had to come back. So he is now in my classroom physically. And he's just now today, he sat down with me and said, can I write about, and it was about, uh, his feelings about what's going on. And I'm, I said, sure, you know, of course you can. And he was like, oh, well, okay then. So just being in my classroom has opened him up a little bit. He's just now starting to talk to me. But I've had him for over, uh, you know, this whole entire year. And just now, by being back in the classroom, I'm seeing a difference in him start. So I think he just kind of went to sleep, so to speak. It kind of lulled him to sleep. So I think it's kind of interesting that I, I, uh, how they're reacting. But I mean, and then some are cheerful, and some of them prefer to be home. I have one. He's got. He's at home. But I tell you what. What I have noticed is the students that make the Zoom meetings, and they Zoom with me at least a minimum of once a week, do better. But the kids that are like, oh, I'm sorry, I slept in, I didn't get to Zoom with you. You know, they give me all these reasons why they can't Zoom. They're the ones that are are struggling as far as they're getting their work turned in. So I do think teacher, some kind of contact has to happen. Just putting them online at this age, uh, 
and that's all they get is probably not as healthy as we would well, hope. It's difficult for uh, adults too, right? I mean, yeah. I talked to adults that like I did. I didn't really step on a college campus until I was like in my master's program at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, oh wow, I did it, almost all of my college I my online. Life. <laughs> all of mine was in person. <laughs> Well, that's Until what I'm the saying. End. And so people were like, "Wait, how did you do it?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It's just it, it was it fit kind of what I, I'm a natural researcher. So like, if they assign something, I'm going to go off. I'm going to read the textbooks for fun, especially uh, during my educational stuff because I wanted to know that stuff. So I would read these educational textbooks like a big dork just for fun and have all the information <laughs> and be able to write these papers. So uh, that's just kind of. Uh, I don't know. And some of these kids are good at it, but I think the majority of them aren't. They need connection. They need, Mm -hmm. you know, in middle school, you're still teaching kids how to school, right? Like it doesn't, it's really not until high school and maybe even upper high school where like you're really just teaching content. Um, And I would imagine even high school teachers like, well, not necessarily. (laughs) So like it... (laughs) There, Some college kids are still trying to be uh, learn school. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of where I, I think that's where that interesting line is drawn. But this does lead us to um, my question for you that I wanted to kind of bring up on this podcast. I told you when we were trying to define, you know, what we want to talk about today. I had this, I've been batting this plan around in my head, and I, for a while there, I couldn't decide how I wanted to go. So curriculum wise, you know, we've kind of hit at this point in the year, we've pretty much hit every major genre, you know, that'll, that'll kind of come up on the test or anything like that. So a lot of it is cycling. There's some other like nooks and crannies in the curriculum, but for the most part, we've kind of hit, um, everything that we need to. So I was trying to figure out ways to, I want every test that we give coming up to be multi-genre and just be working on that process. And I was like, well, you know, we could do thematic stuff. And, you know, I've done that a million times where, you know, kind of pick a theme for the week or whatever. And I show them, you know, a poem about it, a story and nonfiction text. But I was like, you know, I want I want to do something a little bit more involved. And at first I was like, oh, well. I can have them use, you know, the tools of argument and critique or persuasive or something like that and have them do a novel study where they have to write something like that, right? Have those genres and then just kind of go forth. And I was like, I I liked the idea at first, but then I was like, well, maybe I don't want them to use that novel. Maybe I want them to use... Because I don't want them to just pick a book that they know or that they've been reading. I was like, so I kind of wanted to force them out of their comfort zone just a little bit and have them read something else. And I was like, you know what? I'll do literature circles. I was like, ah, you yeah. know, let's go and do literature circles. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that. You know, the literature circles is so much more about managing kids and their how they're doing the literature circles. There's a million ways it can collapse. In an honors classroom, you have your kids that read super fast or the kids that read kind of slow and then it kind of breaks down because the kid that wants to read – 50 pages a day versus a kid that wants to read 20 pages a day can get frustrated with each other. So you have all of this. And then I was like, well, that throws off my mini lessons because if they're doing, you know what I mean? Like I was just, I was struggling mm-hmm. to do that. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to do a whole class novel. I was like, I haven't done one. And I calculated, I haven't done one since my second year of teaching, um, which was actually mind blowing. But I was like, man, I haven't done it really since then. I was like, nothing against it. It's just, I moved away from 
that concept kind of. Uh, and so it just hasn't happened, but I was like, I want to, I have an idea, but before we get to kind of my idea and your thoughts on it, I wanted to pick your brain and just see, have a, have a brief conversation about just, you know, what are the, what do you see as the pros and cons of, you know, literature circle versus whole group versus just independent reading? Have you done all three of those this year or have you just stuck to kind of one? Like, have you, have you dipped your toes in any of those? Well, this year, I don't know if I'm dipping my toes. I'm dipping my toes in just about anything that I can get my hands on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, we have not done the whole class. I, I'm more of less, I think we talked about earlier that I have read to the students. Now, we just got to go to the library. So I talked to the students about how to help themselves become better readers and talk to, and so I, I told them, that they had to at least select two books and one can be anything they want. And I don't really care. And then again, that last one needs to be uh, one that um, is going to challenge them. And so we kind of talked about what does that mean? And so I wanted them to be a little bit challenged, but not too much challenged, so to speak. And so that I didn't want them to be frustrated, but I said, if you typically read fantasy, then now I want you to try to read maybe um a history. If you read, you know, sci-fi, then maybe you might want to read just a fantasy or maybe you want to read a hybrid or so I kind of just shared with them like look at what they typically if they only read graphic novels, let's see if we can move to something that's not a graphic novel. Now the other book I don't care, it can be a graphic novel. So that's kind of how I handle the independent reading for their self-sustained reading right now. And then we're going to do um I'm going to have them do kind of um a little project, a little symbolism or something off of that, like like not just a regular book talk, but I want them to create some sort of artifact. And it can be a digital artifact or it could be something physical that they take a picture of. It doesn't matter to me. But some sort of art- artifact that symbolizes the theme of their story or something important in their book. And so then they'll use that to help prompt them talk about their book. So that's kind of what we're doing with that. Whole group novel, um, you know, my group did the Outsiders online last year when we all of a sudden had to go online, and we did that, and I thought it was fairly good online, but I do like doing whole class novels, even though people don't know I do. The reason they don't know, we used to do them all the time until one of our uh, coordinators, there was a a move there that says whole whole class novels are bad. Because people were spending six weeks or eight, nine weeks on a novel. And so I think novels can suck up your time and you end up teaching that one thing and you don't broaden the student's knowledge. But yet at the same time, where they're good, if you have a really good novel that's rich in in, in a very literary and a lot of symbolism, flashbacks, some difficult things, then I think a novel is a really good way to put every teach those skills together so you move the whole class at the same time. I don't know if that so, answered what you wanted, but... Yeah, I mean, so this is what I was weighing, and, like, I was really, like, I was making T-charts, all kinds of stupid stuff, because I was sitting here trying to rack my brain around what... 
I was trying to get kids to do because I knew I wanted them to interact with longer form text. Um, I just didn't know how. And my initial idea, so if I was so let's let's do this. Let's say my whole novel approach, what I was gonna do is let's say we were gonna do Call of the Wild, right? Let's just pick that book. So um, which I love, uh, but it would be so we were doing Call of the Wild. We would read it. Uh, you know, I would pull excerpts from specific parts about it. We could use that as kind of our mini lessons. Mm-hmm. But my charge to them would be my initial idea was to have them write, basically create an argument or a critique. Uh, pro or against kind of what the themes are. So not really talk about the book itself, but how it's managing the bigger ideas. So the call of the wild, you know, essentially going from, you know, collectivism versus individualism and kind of what that means. So assessing how well the book handles those ideas and whether the book makes persuasive enough an argument for its side or something like that. Right. Really abstract, mm-hmm. but kind of focused. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, a whole group novel could do that. Now, you know, the obvious con of a whole group novel is not every kid's going to be invested in it. Um, if it's a good book, you can probably win over most of them, but you're still, you're not going to bat, you know, you're not, you're not going to get all of them. Uh, so that was my major con. I was like, you know, I could do this in literature circles, um, but then that diminishes a little bit my ability to really kind of push them on some harder text. So, you know, uh, one, I, I don't haven't all the books that we have for circles, I just haven't read them all. So I would have to decide if I want some that I hadn't read and then just kind of have to interact with them from that level. Or basically I was trying to weigh, you know, how much work, <laughs> you know, how, how much work am I willing to do? And I was even planning on doing like a, Maybe I could do, let's say if I had four books going, I could do four different mini lessons, but have one on Monday, have one on Tuesday, have one on Thursday, have or Wednesday, have one on Thursday. And I was like, oh my God, that just sounds horrible. Like to do it from those many books. So I was, I was trying to, I was racking my brain about this and I was looking at pros and cons and trying to do this. And then I realized my problem was I was putting myself in a box by forcing them to interact with the ideas strictly in a nonfiction sense. Like I had that block for some reason, cause that was just what I convinced myself that we needed to do. And so my shift was, I had this idea. I was like, you know what, let's say they are reading call of the wild, but they could, as they're reading their job would be to, play with the themes, play with the ideas, play with what it makes them think about, but they could write anything. So almost like a constant mini lesson for them, a model text, if you will. So let's say they come across a scene where a character dies. They could use that scene as a poem to talk about uh, someone that maybe died in their life or to reflect on death in general or something like that. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so free them up to write about personal stuff, but they're using the longer text to interact with the themes, but could be on a personal way. They could also write an argument or they could write a critique or they could write an analyzation, any of that stuff. But when I was thinking of my kids and kind of where they're at and where they would be, I know I will win more over if I say, 
No, like you don't have to write a specific thing. What I want you to do is interacting with this as you're reading through it. What ideas do you get? What lines jump out? What themes are are a part of this? And how can you incorporate that into your own personal writing, into your own discovery of the text through your own writing? And then I was like, well, I could, if I do it that way, I could do it with literature circles or whole group novel. And that was, that's my debate now is now I have, I have freed up my artificial constraints I was giving myself about the product that I want them working on. Um, and it would be multiple products potentially, right? They could write right. 50 poems. They could write two, right? So I want to, I have that freedom, which, which made me feel so much better. Cause you, you know me, like I just, <laughs> I just don't do well. Like the moment I'm in a box, I'm like, I can't do it. So I have to find a way to break it. <laughs> so I fixed that, but now I'm excited, but I'm like, I could do this either way. I could do a whole class novel and then we could really dive in together and play with that. Um, or we could do a literature circle idea. So based on what I described, if, unless you have any other questions for clarification, what do you, do you see pros and cons with the whole group versus literature circle in this instance of this lesson? Well, I think if you're doing the literature circle and you want to take in, like you were talking about your mini lessons and stuff like that, it may be difficult or you you need to make sure your mini lessons are broad enough or do what you said you were going to do. But something popped into my head while you were talking is, what if you did half a class and half a class? What if you had two books and you had one group in one camp and the other group in the other camp? You do your mini lessons, but then they get to you get to hear them talk about the two different books. So now they can compare, but they get to listen to each other talk about their books or yeah. respond. I don't know. That was just a thought that happened. Doesn't mean it's going to work. Well, uh, so this, uh, a part of this idea. So one of the mini lesson solutions that I thought of was cause my goal is to get them to be able to read and get inspiration from what they're reading. Right. This is like, that's kind of the whole point of my usual mini lesson yeah. is mm-hmm. grabbing stuff. So what I would do is my mini lessons, regardless of if we're doing a whole group, I could use that novel. But if we were doing literature circles, I would end up just pulling in regular text, I think, or maybe one from each book and just talking about like what I would get from something. Or, or I could even model it with my own book, almost as like a personal read aloud, like have my own, they have theirs and then I have the one that I'm doing and just going through and pulling, just showing them how I'm getting these ideas from certain things. But here's the cool thing that I thought of, and this is where some of the Abydos stuff, uh, I think will probably come into play is I was thinking of this idea. So a literature circle, right? There's usually they have roles, um, and those roles, you know, they kind of determine and then they, they don't meet every day. I mean, I guess you can, but for the most part, you know, they meet like, you know, a few days a week or once a week to kind of talk about their book, right? And I was like, I don't know. I, I really don't want to – I'm just not in the mood to manage and micromanage a literature circle. So I was like, what if they met – so they were all in the same book, but what if they met like once a week 
and talked about the ideas that they got from it. So the stuff that they jotted down in their draft books and the lines they got and, oh, you know, this line from page 33 inspired this piece that I'm kind of working on over here. Like, what if they had that? So it's it's a it's almost like a it's a book club, but really centered almost as a writer's club to where they're just using the same source material. But they're interacting with each other. So rather than discussing the book necessarily, that'll still happen naturally, I think. But rather than doing that, they're like, they're discussing, oh, this line really made me, it inspired me to write this piece. And they interact as writers that way and kind of like a writer group. Do you, do you see what, does that make sense? Is this is this translating well over, over Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking if you do that... And you center it more around the writing, then I think it would be interesting to do a whole group novel and see how many different ways your class connects to the same text. And that would go with uh, Rosenblatt's theory (laughs) of the reader makes the meaning, not the writer. Right, right, and then right, right. they turn around and create the meaning. Because so, so reader response theory from Rosenblatt is where um, it's not the teacher that's telling you what it means. It's all that, but it's where the the reader interacts with the text. And I think that would be a nice way to to demonstrate that. I think you could do it with literature circles. But then now you're like, oh well, you reacted that way because that's your book. We already know they're going to react differently because it's a different book. But what? How do they react differently in the same book? See, this is your what I'm favorite saying. line might be better uh, better than my favorite line are different. <laughs> well, and this is this is where I'm going back and forth on it because mm-hmm. there's I think it's it's almost a conversation or a debate between diversity versus depth. Do I want diverse pieces from a variety of sources, or do I want a depth within similar themes? Um, Cause I, here's the thing, either way I'm going to run the risk of kids not liking what they're reading. Some kids are like me and they're going to be, have a book that they're quote unquote having to read. And they're going to be like, nah, I'm not, you know, like I'm not into that. Like that would be me as, as them, that was like, if you told me what to read, I kind of back. Now, I did it a lot of the times, but it was it was just one of those things. So that that's going to run the risk either way. So it's like, I don't know. Like, there's, there's also on the flip side. So you're saying, you know, having a meeting of, you know, oh, this is the line I got. Oh, that's the line you got. Oh, that's really cool. What chapter? And they can kind of interact that way on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. But in a literature circle... If they were going to do something like that, having these conversations uh, and I don't know, I I feel like being able, like, I feel like just as the teacher walking to like, oh, this Friday's our meet day. So they all meet together and me going to each and then being able to like kind of probe them all in different ways. Like, I feel like there's some really interesting depth that could happen there too. I don't know. I don't know. Like you know, this is this is why I've been bouncing back and forth, and I was just like, well, I, don't, I don't know where do I want to go. Well, this is where we do a whole class novel, and you remember earlier where I said the students get to choose. Yeah. 
their books that challenge them. So as a whole class novel, we do that. But one of the things I might do is have them compare the text that we're all reading to their own personal text. How are they similar? How are they different? Do they have the same themes? How does your your book deal with themes versus how all of it? But you use the, the main book to teach all of that and then let the kids explore on their own. You could do something like that. Why can't you do literature circles after you do this? I probably could. It would just uh, it's just a matter of time, right? Because we're coming on testing season. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so just, we have – I mean, just the way the units – like just to put this <laughs> – this is a little bit inside baseball for listeners. But just, the, I mean, the the unit uh, that we're currently in, right? We're finishing up, uh, you know, our, our argument essentially, right? So we have uh, – that's going down. And then uh, – so our test for that is next week. Uh, we have two days after that to kind of – do whatever we need to get done. And then the week after that's interim testing, which for people listening, this is like our district slash state pre state state assessment. So that's going to eat up some time because they have to do a reading test and a math test and all this other stuff. So, um, so after that is when we would start this and then, but after that six weeks, it's star season, right? It's, it's state testing season. So yeah. we probably wouldn't be able to revisit something like this until later in the until year. The, end of the year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I'm fine with doing as well. But I was like, this was just this this idea as we were kind of bouncing it back and forth in our team. It was just so interesting to me because it, if I am as confident in my mini lessons as sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not, theoretically. They should be every time they read their book, it should be its own mini lesson, right? Like that's kind of the goal of a mini lesson is teaching kids like how to notice form, how to notice function, how to notice uh, grammar as well as theme as, and, you know, how to notice setting as well as character and how to notice evidence and how to notice claim, like all of that stuff naturally. Uh, and I feel like this is a really interesting way to challenge them to be like, okay, we've been doing this for several months now. Now it's your turn to dive in and see what you get from your text. And I, I feel like it's a really mm-hmm. interesting concept. I, I feel like the the whole group version of this, I'm I'll be controlling it more in the literature circles, they're controlling it more. So I, I feel like that's also what I have to think about is is this something that I want to be more of a captain of, or is it something I just need to be like an occasional wind to gust them in the right direction? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Well, I say, I say do a whole class novel, do it with the whole class. It's not something you do typically, but I think with your approach, it's not going to be like your typical whole class novel. It doesn't sound like that to me because I think what happens when people do whole class novels is we do, we keep them all on the same chapter. They have to read the same thing. We make them all read or how about this one? We put on the audio. We forget to even get the books out. (laughs) (laughs) and the kids are just listening and it becomes a listening exercise 
Oh, That's God. not what you want. You know what's so funny is I actually I'm very honest with my students sometimes when I'm planning, and I'll ask them. I'm like, "Hey, what are y'all interested in doing?" And I ask them. I was like, "Would you be interested in a more literature circle or a more whole group?" And they go, "Oh my God, if we do a whole book, are we just going to take turns reading the whole time?" See. <laughs> See, that's what you got to watch out for. And that's the thing. Or yeah, that's are not they my gonna... goal. That is not my goal. No, of course not. And, that, and, and then you do the questions at the end of the chapter, and then you all talk about the one thing. And then what you have to, what ends up happening is the teacher gives the cliff notes, uh, you know, version of their mini lesson, which is, this is what this symbol means. This is what this symbol means. This is what the author meant. And then what happens a lot of times in a whole group situation, which I think is why we had that trend to move away from whole group novels, is the teacher ends up being the provider of the information. And if you've got smart kids like it's apparently you do as far as like uh, honors their, their readers already, then they can do what Chris Tavani talked about when I went to one of her uh, sessions one time. She talked about fake reading. And what ends up happening is the teacher gives all the answers so they don't have to read anyway. Did you know that my son, who is your age, said, Mom, you know that I went back to visit and I told my junior English teacher that I didn't read one book and I wrote all the papers and got A's on all of them, but didn't have to read one book because she told me all the answers. I can't believe he said that. I said, I cannot believe you told her that. You don't tell a teacher that, but it's true. That's what's happening. And so I think when we do the whole group, that's what those are the, to me, the cons are the things you got to got to go away from but it sounds to me like your idea is you know you you talk about a line they all read it and then just like you do a, it's just a giant literature stuff so it's more like a big book club the way you want to do it and then you put themes out there and then you and then your multiple text is going to be the stuff you bring into it like this um article that might attach itself to this theme or the way this person handles or a poem over here that goes with it. And then, and then you can have them start bringing in their own stuff that connects to the book, not just writing, but like they're making text to text and text to self connections as the world's, you know, throwing out that jargon, but they're making their own personal connections, their own personal aspirations that are coming from this one particular book. And it's just kind of like when everybody goes to a movie and then you come back and you go, oh my gosh, that bo- that movie was so good. And then you're sitting in this room and you start talking about how wonderful this one movie was that everybody went to go see. I think you're, and it's a great experience to get to do that. And it's interesting to hear how somebody responds to that theme or to that character or to that setting versus how somebody else does. And I think that's a great experience to give your kids. But giving them this is how you should think about it is not the experience you want to give. And when it comes to reading it out loud or reading it in general, I think there are times and spaces where it's good to have the kids read so that you can hear them as a teacher or you read it to them. But I don't think you need to read the whole book the same way. How's that for my spiel? Well, and that's, I mean, that's exactly right. Like I'm, I, in some ways I, what got me excited about this is I feel like I'm bending the rules of both of these things that I'm trying to do. And that's what always gets me excited is the moment, like I start semi not reinventing. That's a little too, uh, 
that's a little bit too complimentary on my end, but more, more or less just changing something, altering it, making it my own for my own purposes. And that's, that's the stuff that really interests me in teaching. And I, I, I really like this idea of diving into text to get inspiration. And here's, here's a, another question that I'm wrestling with. Okay. Uh, is I, I, so I haven't done one of these in a while. I haven't, I did a literature circle. The last time I did a literature circle was two years ago when, when I was at, uh, our campus that we were with. Um, and I did that with my students and they, so when I did it with them, we had, Reading time as normal where they read whatever they wanted and then they had more reading time where they read their literature circle book and then they had writing time. So I split my class rather than halves kind of what it's usually at I kind of split it into thirds. Uh, and I was curious as to if you were going to do this to where you're requiring them to read a specific text, would you have that be, and not as a class, right? Like we weren't, they independently read and then they independently read a different book and then they met together to discuss. So this would be similar. Like we wouldn't read the whole book out loud or put an audio book on or stuff like that. Like right. they would be off to go read at their own pace and kind of make their own meaning as they're going, um, regardless of it's a literature circle or whole class novel, would you have that independent reading time every single day where they're reading their own text and that, or would you have this be the substitute for this amount of time? Hmm. Well, I mean, um, first of all, you already talked about all the stuff you have to do. You might almost have to substitute it. Here's what happens sometimes is if you don't, if you, if you try to get them to read their own, that self-sustained reading with their own, right? And then you have them do the other, then you end up spending really a lot of time reading, which is fine. It's just you don't get to the other stuff. So I would almost, honestly, I really like it when I have, uh, where I take one day out of the week and I let the kids read for 30 minutes straight. And that would be like, they're not, you know, like maybe their own self-selected reading. And then the other time, the other four days would be your regular time, but you would, you would do it with your, your whole group book or whatever your book is. And you could do like 20 minutes just where they read only and then, and then divide the rest of it up. Did that make sense? Yeah, like they read, they read your whole group. Like if they're doing a whole group novel, then they would read those novels throughout the week for four days, and then one day they read whatever they want for mm-hmm. an extended amount of time. Yeah, you know, and I have, I don't know, like you know what I mean. I think there's so many pros and cons. I think the mm-hmm. the essential piece to this, I think, is a really good idea, and then after that, you know. It really comes down to kind of where I want to take it and stuff like that. Because the the only the con that I have for taking away that independent reading time is so many of them are they're so addicted to their books right now. You know what I mean? Well, well, maybe shorten it. Uh, just shorten it to seven minutes rather than ten minutes. For their independent reading time. So right now we do their independent reading time. They get about we usually do a good twenty minutes a day. 
Oh, okay. So we do mini lesson, uh, which is around 15, 20 minutes if I have too much caffeine, uh, mm-hmm. 20 minutes of read time, and then the rest of the time is writing and then debrief. So it ends up being – writing is a little bit longer just by nature because it's a little bit more free flow. Uh, it, it takes – Reading is everyone's quiet. Writing's not. So I find that writing writing needs a little bit more time just for just more distractors that can happen. Um, and so that ends up being it was a big 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes some days and then a debrief of, you know, five minutes or so. So that's kind of how the workshop breaks down naturally. So, I mean, I don't know. Some also, you know, for just because I have honors though, doesn't mean they're all super strong readers. And I feel like throwing two books at them a day might be kind of challenging as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I was thinking you just spend one day where yeah. they read one or the other, or you could do our half the week. I mean, really, it's up to you. Whatever you think, maybe you should survey them and ask them how they would want to do it. So many questions. So many questions. There so are what so many I, questions, and there are a are, lot of options. What are my pitfalls here? So if you were planning this, okay, what what would be common pitfalls that I should try to avoid with regardless if I do whole group versus a literature circle format? What are the things that could potentially d- cause demise to this unit that I am hodgepodging together? Um. That you've got some of the kids that just won't read, period. So they can't partake in the conversation. So you got to have some sort of accountability for them to read. Um, I like to do where I just give them a kind of a schedule. Like we need to be here by this time. And so I divide the pages and say this is about the amount of time that you need to do this reading. And then I pretty much don't care what they read Uh for the independent reading, but I mean, I'm just being candid. This is me. This is if I were doing this, I would say, okay, we're going to read both books. Of course, you know me. I, I like to do the three book classrooms. That you have. But I said, you know, we have a. This is what we're going to have to do. Uh, we're going to read this book. There's this many pages, and we need to have this much read by this date. So I would look at how big my unit is, and then I would divide the pages by that, and tell the kid, and then I would put them on a kind of a window schedule. So if they want to read today and that's all they read is that book, then they can, but they have to keep up with both. So some they might want to choose at home or whatever. So I don't I don't tell them what they have to read during the independent reading time. But every once in a while, I will stop and say, okay, we're going to read and I need you to read this book. So every once in a while, I tell them. So I kind of just switch it up. But for the most part, I don't tell them what they need to read during the independent time. So... Um, so I would I would come up with that. Another pitfall would be just put a check on on the teacher, where if you really want the students to get the meaning and you don't want to dictate the meaning, then you got to really make sure you create questions and assignments that are going to allow for an open ended response. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to we we don't trust that process. We're, we're worried about what they're going to end up doing, and then we decide to take over. I would say time is your biggest pitfall. The time Time challenge. is for sure. Once I mean, because if it goes too long, mm-hmm. uh, engagement goes out the door. And, yeah. and for, for me and them. <laughs> uh, 
but also just, you know, knowing, you know, what's funny though, is I have kids that spend, I have some readers, you know, I have like a dyslexic student, for instance, who she reads very slow. Like, you know, she just, she plods her way through. She reads, but it takes her a while to get through some stuff. Um, so I could see in a literature circle format, how that could get frustrating for her and other people, but also in a whole group, right? Cause mm-hmm. I would, tr- if I did a whole group, I would choose a shorter book. Um, I call the wild super short outsiders are short, the giver super short. You know what I mean? Like all of those books are, you know, kind of stock seventh grade. Well, actually call the wild is probably actually a little higher. The reason I keep saying that by the way, is cause I saw it the other day and it's like stuck in my brain. I think it'd be so cool. I don't know how much investment I would get. Cause it's kind of an older, it's not that easy of a text to read. No, it's not. That's the one I chose to read out loud to the kids. Really? Yeah. How did it go? I, I didn't read the whole thing. But I read uh, the beginnings of it, and some of the kids were, like, really excited about it, and some didn't. But I still read some of it, and some are like, can you read a little bit more of that book? So, Well, it's uh, so— But it is hard. Yeah, I mean, and that would be—I would kind of push that more towards my GT students, perhaps. Also, mm-hmm. I have—you uh, know, it's like the same thing when I did that class as a literacy coach. You know, I had Anthem. I had one group that read Anthem, which Anthem is only oh, like I'll 90 pages, but it's, it's still, deep. it's a, yeah, it's a, it's Ayn Rand. So it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. the whole concept of, you know, what is the cost of collectivism? Like that is an incredibly complicated issue <laughs> for the now, seventh graders to dive into. Right. Now, if I were to break it up, I think it would be cool if you did like your three books and they all have that, um, dystopia or they all have the same, a similar type theme. And then you see how each author addresses that theme. That would make for some interesting talk, but I don't know if you want to do that. Well, I think that would honestly, that would be cool, but it would come down to, uh, um, it, it would come down to just book access, right? How many copies mm-hmm. of certain books do I have and do they all fit within a genre yep. and do I have a share yep. theme or whatever? But, um, yeah. and we, you know, we have access to stuff like that. We can make things like that happen, but I don't know. I think this is helpful. I think I, I so if one moment I'm leaning towards whole book or whole group, the next minute I'm not. And you know, what's funny is I just keep thinking, like, you know, Kelly Gallagher talks about, like, he defends the whole group novel. You know, he does 1984. And he might not do the same one every year, but, like, you know, he, he finds value in a whole group. And I haven't done a whole group since, like, I got good at teaching. So, like, I all like I kind of want to play with it just because, like, I've done literature circles off and on. And uh, obviously I do independent reading every single day, and I've been doing it since my second year of teaching. But it's, like... I kind of want to do this whole group novel just to see what happens. You know what I mean? Like maybe I do yeah. it and I just loathe everything about it by the end, or maybe I do it and I'm like, oh, there's there's a, there's a little magic to you know 22 students reading the same text. I think there is, but um, you know, I grew up on grew up and my first 15 years of teaching was whole group novel. It wasn't until about year 16 that they said, you can't do that anymore. So that was kind of a, a shocker. But I think there's one one group of kids that come to my mind uh, that I had, and 50%, I mean, actually it was, a, it was a class where all of the students had failed the star. 
Actually, back then it was the telpass or whatever it was. Not telpass. That's on my mind now because that's what we're doing. But you know, it was it was another test, but it was one of the the original tests, and they had all failed it. And so they put them all in my class, and uh, they were all mainly boys. But what I did is I took using whole group novels because that's the instruction that I knew at the time, and um, I started with simple, but high interest as far as like, you know, the ability. And I kept, I moved them all the way through to where we got comp, more complex as we went. But the class was small enough that I could bring them in and talk to them like we would just one big literature circle. And 100% of those passed and 50% of them made commended. And I think it's because we had, I was able to keep them kind of contained and together and we talked about the themes together we talked and then I remember you know so we did something like that it was a little more traditional but I was able to move those kids but I think it's because I was able to be there for them when they needed help understanding the deep complicated moments in the books so I think there's there's uh, good in both And now we leave that to answer for the people that are listening. What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? Is there good in both? Should I do it? I don't know. Leave a comment. Send me a DM. Do something. Try to. I mean, you gotta. You gotta two weeks or so before I do this. So uh, if you have advice or thoughts or anything like that, let me know. And I'm sure I'll follow up regardless of where I decide to take this. But this has been an episode of Craft and Draft, ladies and gentlemen. I hope. You enjoyed it as much as I did. By the way, this is a little sneak peek behind the curtain. If you are uh, a listener that listens to all of the episodes, the draft book episode, I actually uploaded the wrong version of that episode. Oh, okay. (laughs) Which I didn't realize because there was an issue loading the last episode for some reason. It was my problem, but it was like a weird glitch. And then I went back and listened to the one before that, and I had uploaded the non-edited version. So there was no music at the beginning. You hear me go, and you are live right at the beginning. So (laughs) usually I cut out those little things. So the people who are early to all of the episodes, I have since fixed that. So you can't ever hear that version again unless it's downloaded onto your device. But So shout out for the people who were here early and heard that you are a true Craft and Draft listener if you heard that. Because it has been changed, but it existed. But you know what? If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. It really does help. Like us on Facebook. Um, and just stay in tune with what you're doing. I hope you are surviving during these COVID era times. I hope you're trying new things. I hope you're having conversations like we are with each other, forcing you to rethink or think deeper about your practice and make things happen. But for everything else, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you.